0: I don't even know how you follow words like that. That's just, I feel like I ought to just say, let's have a prayer and go home now. That's that's just, we're not going to, so don't get your hopes up, all right? But uh, man, just amazing words there. And that's, uh, if you didn't recognize that, that's Psalm 139. And uh, today we're gonna look at the first six verses of Psalm 139. Um, I had all this wonderful introduction written out, but you know what? I'm not even gonna even do it now. I'm just going to go right to the verse. I've asked Marshall to come and read this verses for us. So, Marshall, if you'd come on up, do we have a, we don't have a microphone here, so let's grab one for you. How about, which one do you want us to get? The silver one, there we go. There you go, sir. So if you'll read Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 for us. Good morning. I'm Marshall Goldsboro, and... This morning I'm going to be reading Psalm 139, 1 through 6. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Am I still? Oh, there we go. All right. As we um, we look at those verses, we we'll gonna have a word of prayer in a moment, but I just want to kind of explain a little bit about those words for you. First, that's from a psalm. It's called a psalm of David. And, uh, you know, we, we normally attribute all the psalms to David, though they're not. Some of them are written by other people. And so when it says a psalm of David, it could mean it was one written by David. It could mean it was one written for David or about David, or it could even mean in the style of David. But as you look at this psalm, it fits a lot of what what was in David's life, so it's a pretty good guess that it was written either for David or by David. Here at this point, about all that he has gone through, and as we look at, at this year, already we're a month into 2023, and uh, man, there's been some good things. Last week we uh, uh, we had a business meeting, and there was no fights. Now, if you're watching online, we don't normally fight at business meetings, but that's a whole meme for churches and fighting at business meetings. Um, in fact, nobody even asked any really contentious questions. So, uh, so uh, Jeremy, I'm going to take you wherever I go to lead business meetings from now on, all right? Uh, we, we've, we've baptized six people in the last couple of weeks. We've got more people that are talking about being baptized. We had a great uh, – participating in that great outreach last Sunday to the, to the park. We're going to paintbrush – Today, we're starting small group, t- training the leaders today and gonna get ready to launch some, uh, some short-term small groups for us. There's some good things going on. Yet at the same time, there's a lot of ways that 2023 for me has looked like 2022, which looked a lot like 2021, which looks a lot like the dumpster fire of 2020. Um, and so there's, you know, we gotta remind, there's always stuff that struggles that are going on still We have to remember that. As we look at struggles, I can't think of any psalm that talks about God's care about us more than Psalm 139. And so, in these six verses that we're going to look at here, all I want you to know is that God knows you. He has never forgotten us, He has never forsaken us. God knows what we're going through. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you. For the good and the bad for this month, this past year, all in our life, Father, we thank you for the good and the bad. Father, the good reminds us of your love. The bad reminds us of your care and your presence. It is a chance for us to show our trust in you and to you show forth in your glory. Father, thank you for these words that you have given to David. And Father, through it, may it help us to really understand how you see us, how you know us, and how you care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Think for a moment. Who really knows you? Who knows you? That's not a word that has as much meaning as it used to. For example, my brother-in-law has almost 5,000 friends on Facebook, and he swears he knows every one of them. I, you know, and I've been, walked through the town, he's a city council, he's a county supervisor, sorry, and I've seen him walk the town and he greets everybody, so I, I'm not sure he may be true about that. If you look at my Facebook profile, I have a little bit over a thousand. I promise I don't know a third of them. I, I look at some of the people that are like friends on Facebook and I'm like, who is this person and how did I become friends with them? I have no idea who they are. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but, uh, but I just, be honest, I, I don't. And it makes you wonder, does the word knowing us, the phrase knowing us, mean anything anymore? Well, these verses out of Psalm 139 present, what do you call a rich, no, no, not even a rich, an exquisite, an exquisite expression of how God truly knows us. And the first thing I see in this passage is that God knows everything there is to know about you. If we look at these verses in the first three verses he talks about things he says let's listen to those first three verses again oh god you have searched me and known me you know when i sit down and when i rise up you understand my thought from afar you scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways in that i see there's these, he presents several words that uh that really talk about is that there's five words they talk about knowing, getting to know somebody. First is he uses use the word searched. You have searched me. And, you know, this is another word that's lost almost all meaning for us. Because when we think of search today, what do we think about? Google. Google. And we got that instant knowledge, okay, to do a Google search. We can all know that we can type in anything into a Google search bar, and in less than a second, we're going to come up with 450,000 to a million and a half responses on that same thing. I've tried typing in weird stuff before just to see, like, you know, type in, you know, uh, I don't know, crowbar pie and see what you, you'll get like, still, get like 2,000, 200,000 results in it. We just we have this instant knowledge of, of searched. But think about it back in that day. Searching was tedious. Laborious. It took a long time. You didn't have... The thing, well, I don't know, one of my favorite games in my household is this. Hey, call my phone so I can find it. How many of you have done that, all right? Said to somebody, call my phone so I can find it. Because that's what it means for search day. But that wasn't it that day. You searched hard. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of the search for the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and, uh, and the lost son. And about how that search was so tedious and laborious. In fact, you didn't spend time searching for something unless it was very valuable. So guess what? God has searched you out because to him you are very valuable. That's what it's communicating here. It's not like ladies that are any of our single because I don't know, maybe guys are bad about this too, but single ladies that, that are even recently married, you've been married this five years don't, don't raise your hands, but how many did a Google search for the guy you were dating at the time, all right? It's almost a necessity now you're going to do that kind of thing. But that wasn't what God did. God searched out. He took time. It meant that he was looking great. All right, I don't know what your conversation about there all right, with our engaged couple over here, but maybe we need to talk later, all right? That just that's, that might be interesting conversation later. All right, anyway, let's go back. Searching into time-intensive, grueling tasks yet god searched for us because we're valuable to him second word there is the word known that word known the hebrew word known shows up seven times in the psalm and it truly embodies what we're talking about today that god knows you and uh, i don't know has anybody seen avatar of the way of water anybody seen that yet i have not seen it but i saw the first one and one of the things that i remember the phrases from that is when they use this phrase I see you. And um, to be honest, there were times that my wife said to me, I don't feel seen by you. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was clueless about it. But now when God says he knows you and he sees you, he gets to know all about you. And then it says the next word is understand. He says there's, there's a lot about that you've searched me and known me. You understand my thought from afar. You know, there are a lot of things in this world I really don't know. Um, there's a lot of things, though, that I do know, but I don't understand them. Understanding takes is a lot deeper than just knowing. And I found out in my years as a minister, I've learned how to run how and to, how to, how to relate to people. You know, one of the goals I have sometimes i meeting somebody is to try to have them either think or, or maybe even say, hey, it's a small world that I know something about, I, I know a little bit about everything, in fact, I know nothing about everything. That's right, I'm one of those generalists, okay? Uh, they say a specialist knows everything about uh, nothing and I know nothing about everything. Uh, and so I can talk to you about your job a little bit like that, but it doesn't mean I understand it. In fact, I've offended some people sometimes because I'm talking to them and I'm trying to just relate to them, they're like, what, you think you've, you, you, you know, you were a volunteer firefighter for a year and you understand what it's like to be a career firefighter? No, I'm just trying to find things we can relate to. Because I don't understand what it's like. But God understands about us. He understands what makes us tick. He understands who we are. And He takes a little bit deeper. It says, you scrutinize my path and my lying down. Scrutinize. We don't, don't think of that as a good word nowadays. If, you, if your boss says, I'm scrutinizing your work, you're thinking, ah oh, crud, that is not good, huh? But this is a good thing, is God's saying, I'm studying every little detail about you. Mark, I know, is God says, I know every line on your face. I know every expression that you have. All right, in fact, I don't know if you knew this or not, there's a thing, we learned, how, or learned early on as kids to, how to recognize expressions, but there's a thing called micro-expressions that really people that are good at reading people can learn just the smallest twitch of a, of a corner of a mouth or, or the, the just slightly closing of the eyes. What, that's called micro-expressions. There's a whole field of study. In fact, you can look it up, MET and SET, M-E-T-T and S-E-T-T. Look that up and you can study about micro, uh, small expressions and micro-expressions. But this is what God said when I scrutinize. I know everything that's going on with you. I know everything there is about you. I know who it is, it's more than just being able to complete each other's sentences, it's knowing how you're going to react to things, it's knowing what makes you happy and what makes you sad, it's really getting inside your mind and understanding you. And then the last one I think is the Grace says, and you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. This is why I use the New American Standard today, because I like the phrases they used. Your translation may translate those a little bit differently. But the Hebrew word is all the same in each, <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> across the translations, is to know something like it's second nature. It's like the difference between being able to understand how to speak a second language and how to think in a second language. Like I, I've got passable Spanish. If, you were to, if I were to, you know, <clears throat> get kidnapped and dropped off in Mexico City somewhere, I could eventually get back to the U.S. somehow, Okay. I, it might take me a lot longer. It might sound to people in Spanish like I'm saying, I am needing for to be making a phone call to the states of the United North, you know, that kind of thing. But, that, but they would get it out. I can, so I can speak a foreign language a little bit, but I can't think in it. I don't know how to think in it. But people that really understand the language learn how to think in it, to be able to, to not have to translate in their head. So this is what it's trying to say here is, God speaks fluent you. That he's able to speak like you speak and think like you think and understand. He's able to think the way that you think, to know what makes you happy and sad, to know what makes you <clears throat> to know what makes you happy and what makes you joyous. What makes you just elated and what drives you to bless. What motivates you? What you need compared to what you want? compared to what you think you need. That's how God understands you. And these three verses also have two illustrations that you might miss if you read it too fast, illustrations of how comprehensive God's knowledge is. It uses something called polar extremes. Polar extremes are a way of saying that from this extreme to this extreme and everything in between, I know all of that in between. Everything about it. Here's what he says in there. He says first, he says, he says, uh, you know, when I sit down, and when I rise up. That's in verse two. So you know everything from the moment I lay down to the moment I rise up, to the moment I lay down to the moment I rise up. Twenty-four-seven, God is following you in everything that you do, whether you're active or whether you're resting. And then he rephrases that, another thing, by the way, I don't know if you know this, this is, the Psalms are Hebrew poetry. In Hebrew poetry, I don't know if anybody's ever explained this to you, if you already know this, sorry for the, for the interruption with it, but I want you to understand, in English, poetry tends to have two things, usually has meter and rhyme. Now there's exceptions to that, but that's what we usually think of a poem, is it has meter and it has rhyme. Well, the, in Hebrew poetry, one of the big characteristics is parallelism, it was restating something in different words. That was part of their poetry. So he restated this, you know, when I, when I sit down and when I rise up. And then he says, you scrutinize my path and my lying down. So not only the 24-7, but when I'm active and when I'm resting, you were there. No matter where I go, no matter where I'm on my path during the day, both physically, mentally, and emotionally, wherever my path goes, you know it. You're there with me in everything that you do because you know everything about me then there's actually a third comparison that's almost hidden between verses two and three it says you understand my thought from afar okay what is he saying when he says you understand my thought from afar it means god you can sit back and you see the big picture you see the picture of where my life has been where it's going you understand that at all you understand OK, in fancy words, you've English teachers here, the meta-narrative of my life. You understand it all." And then he comes back and says, "And you're intimately acquainted from, with all my ways." I'd like to think of it this way. God looks at your life both through a telescope and through a microscope. that understands every little bit about it. That gives us this thing of the God who is imminent who is there right with us in everything. Everything you go through this year, God is walking it with you. But he also pulls back and he knows where it's all headed, where it's going. He's also the transcendent God that keeps the universe spinning, that makes, that makes everything hold together. As it says in Colossians, who is Lord of all visible and invisible things who is the glue that holds everything together. He's doing all that, yet he still takes time to know every detail, every fleck of color in your eye, every hair on your head, every thought that you have, every worry that you have, every, for those of you who are my age and older, every pain that you have. He understands that. He's walking it with you because God knows everything about you. Now, when we think about knowing everything today, probably the best example I think of is a scary one, big tech. Okay? According to PC Magazine, I just want to give you a sampling of the things that between Google, Facebook, Apple, Twitter, Amazon, and Microsoft know about you. Now, these are only things that you know if they've given them permission. However, a lot of times you give them permission without realizing it. So I want you to look on the screen here, all right? And this is just a list. It should pop up automatically, therefore. So let's see. So your name, gender. Okay, maybe we need to go through this. Maybe that's going a little bit slow. Just pop through some of those real quick. Just, just, are you having to advance some? Man, Just keep going. There's like three columns of it. Just look at all the stuff that it knows, that, that big tech knows about you. There we go, a little bit more. Just keep going, yeah. Let's see, there we go, that's all of them right there. So if it jumps further than that, look at that. All the things it knows about you. Your religious views. Every email you've sent. Everything you've purchased. All your social media posts. The Bluetooth and Wi-Fi devices near you. Every place you've visited. And a lot of those, even if you've got the location services turned off, it can do it. It's one of the freakiest things. Google does know everything about me. It's it just freaks me out sometimes that I'll go to a, a store I haven't been to in a while. I'll go to Uncle Harry's bagels, and I'll get in the car leaving, and Google sends me a note and goes, "How was your visit, to Uncle Harry's? Rate it now, you know, for for you know, 10 Google points or whatever Google rewards th- that kind of stuff. You know, would you rate this thing or that thing? It does it all the time. In fact, do you know you can actually find out how much Google knows about you? I'll tell you, do it's scary. Go to takeout.google.com. Just takeout.google.com and then you'll have to put in your Google Gmail address or whatever you use when you're on Google services or whatever. And when I did mine it said, this may take several hours or several days, we will email you when, it was, when it's ready. It came in six separate emails, downloads, because that's how many it took to not not to, because it was maximizing the email capacity, it was maximizing the download capacity of what it, it. Are you ready for this? Here's how much Google knows about me. And by the way, I hardly, I'm hardly ever on Facebook, or Twitter, or any of those things. And I don't do a lot of the stuff, but I do a few Google things. Anybody want to guess how much data they had on me? Seventeen gigabytes of data. Now, if you want to get an idea of how, 17 giga- how much 17 gigabytes is, think about your standard book, just a, a book you'd get at Barnes, well, you, nobody knows what Barnes Noble at Amazon nowadays, okay? And for those of you, that do, I, I don't know how to do it for, for, for Kindle or for an ebook but for those of us that can remember actual physical books, 50 feet long bookshelf of books, that's how much data Google has on me and it's still not anything close to what God knows about me. That Google thinks they know about me, but God knows everything that there is. Now maybe it scares you and maybe it doesn't that God knows that much about you, but I know it says this, God is aware of every little detail of our life and of our life history, and God sees where you fit into the great scheme of things. He is able and he does walk through all this with you to guide you and help you. We're going to look at that some more of that later in some future messages on Psalm 139. But now let's look at the second thing. His, his second thing, his knowledge of you is so vast that God also knows your inner thoughts. Now, this was the freakiest one. If it freaks you out that God knows you, when you get to verse 4 and he says, even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. All right? I mean... I, Husbands and wives, you've probably seen it sometime, you started to say something and your wife knew what it was and she shot you a look that said, shut it now, even if it means right on top of your tongue, all right? You're better to bite off the tip of your tongue than to say what you're about to say, right? All right, I'm getting way too many laugh, much laughter here from some ladies, all right? So, all right, so, but that's what God, God knows even before there's a word on my tongue. Behold, oh Lord, you know it all. They know what you're thinking. They know every he knows everything about you he uh, all right again now Google and Facebook might be good at knowing what what things you might likely buy uh, sometimes they are sometimes they aren't I know if I if I go when I'm, I'm searching for a all right a heater for the baptistry I may wind up finding ads on the you know on my on my web pages for for baptistries and that kind of stuff And a lot of times I'm I'm looking for something, I'm I'm looking for a mouse pad, and I I buy one, and I'm still getting ads for it. I'm like, you guys aren't as smart as you think you are. But God doesn't have to predict. He knows you so well that he knows what you're thinking and what you're doing. Now, again, I'm going to compare it with you because I want to give you these illustrations because I want you to think about this because... Um, that, oh, I gotta hurry, I don't know if I, all right, I'll, no, I don't have time for that one, all right, we'll save that for some other time. Let me just say it this way, there's a story out there, of true, that, that, that Target, in their, in their uh, following, their, their uh, tracking people, the online shopping and that kind of thing, has, has algorithms trying to, start to predict, predict when a woman's pregnant, because that's like a holy grail of that, so they did so uh, many years ago, about 10 years ago, uh, a man walks into a Target in Minneapolis, their their home place, demands to see the manager, slaps down on the desk some coupons, and said, "Are you trying to get encourage my daughter to get pregnant?" He said, "What do you mean?" They started sending his his daughter uh, coupons for folic acid and diapers and baby formula and things like that, and he was just furious over that. Target just started randomly sending her that stuff, and the Target the manager apologized, fell all over himself, and just two weeks later, the man showed up again and said. Um, I need to see the manager, and he said, I need to apologize. Target knew when his 16-year-old daughter was pregnant before he did because they study everything about people's shopping habits, things like that. That still doesn't come close to God, knowing what's going on inside of you. In Luke 16, 15, Jesus tells the Pharisees that God knows their hearts. In 1 John 3, 20, God reminds us that God is greater than our hearts, and knows all things about us. When I think about being known on the inside, one of my favorite examples is my 44th birthday. Now I know that was many, many moons ago, but my 44th birthday was one of the weirdest birthdays I had. I don't like celebrating birthdays. I I really don't. In fact, it's gotten me in trouble with my family. I don't know how to celebrate birthdays because I don't, I don't like it. In fact, um, I don't usually tell people what my birthday is. I'll tell them how old I am. So for those of you like Jeremy who know because of heart, don't tell people my birthday, all right? I just don't. But um, my former teenagers at a church um, had sleuthed out my birthday finally. And they were young adults now. And I was actually in their town uh, having a business meeting. And they found out about it. And they surprised me at a business meeting with a surprise birthday party, which I... You know, but 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 it was nice. They, they they figured out these were all young. They were lawyers and doctors and things like that. Now, but they came. But they also found out I don't like birthday cakes. But they actually got me a birthday cake made of Krispy Kreme donuts. So I got a picture right there with the candles and everything. All right, Krispy Kreme is my kryptonite. Mark, there. We, I, I haven't had one in ages. But if I could, I could eat a dozen of them, all right. It's mm, yes. All right. So that was, so they gave, me, they gave me a Krispy Kreme birthday cake, and I thought, these guys get me. I back, got back to the office that day, and my, my assistant and my intern got me a birthday cake made of moon pies. If you don't know what that is, there's one right there, all right? I especially like the vanilla ones, but they had, they had stacked up chocolate and vanilla and banana moon pies and made a birthday cake out of that. And when I got home that night, my family made me a birthday cake out of Rice Krispie Treats. I know, one of my favorite things again there, all right? So I really, that was, that was like a time I felt known, I felt figured out. That, and none of them made a huge big deal about it. They just said, this is something we know about you. And we're like, it's weird that I, is it weird that I remember that 22 years later? That, that still s- stuck in my mind, okay? But that's just basically, I had never told any of them that that's what I liked and preferred, but they took time to figure it out. They knew it. But that still doesn't go as deep as God's knowledge of us. And again, knowing that God knows your every inner thought could be scary or it could be comforting. You know what? I'm going to opt for comfort because the God who knows our every thought, our every need, our every desire is a God who's ready in advance to help us get what we need to get what is best for us, or to help redirect our desires to something better. He is never caught off guard. God's never surprised by anything that he's ready for it. Verse five takes that thought even a little bit further. It says that God has surrounded us. It says you've enclosed, uh, this is one where the New American Standard doesn't do quite as a good job. He says you've enclosed me behind and before. And the idea there is God has put walls around us. Now walls can do two different things. Walls can be there to punish you, like in a prison, but most often walls were used to protect back then. The cities had walls not to keep people in, but to keep bad things out. And so it's saying God has put a wall of protection around us. If we stray outside, God is not afraid to make it a wall of punishment to help redirect us, But he is guarding us like a city all right and helping us and protecting us because he knows everything we need everything about us and then i know it's a sort of a statement of the same thing again but we talked about how god knows us god knows everything about us i think the last thing out of these three verses i see is actually very similar but i think it's important god knows you better than you can imagine and those in that last verse, in verse 6. It says, such knowledge is too wonderful to me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. In modern more words, it says, that's just more than I can even imagine, more than I can handle. I try to wrap my mind around it, God, and I can't. I can't even conceive how you could love me. And I know who I am, and you know who I am better than, than I do. And yet, you still love me, you know me, and you want to be with me. It's, it's something that's so amazing that I am in awe about it. It's way beyond my pay grade. It's way beyond my ability to understand. You know, I can look back at that, that information that Google has on me, and some of it I understand. You know, the places I've been on the maps, that kind of stuff, it's got other data on there. I do not understand even what they know on me, okay? I do not get any of that okay and by the way that 17 gigabytes of data that doesn't include anything they could glean out of my emails because believe it or not you say they say they don't look at them but they've got access to them every email you ever send from or to a gmail account Google's got it somewhere it's still there somewhere completely you know that old saying of you know Whatever goes on the internet stays on the internet, and that is true. It never, ever goes away. But I can look and try to understand some of that, but I will never grasp the amount of knowledge God has on me today. Now, I think you've already grasped, there's only one point today's, today's message, just one, and that is that God is intimately acquainted with us, that God loves us enough even though he knows everything about us. He loves us because he knows everything about us. Whatever's going on in your life right now, God knows everything about it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. God knows all about it, and he still cares. And that includes everything you've gone through individually, everything you've gone through in your family, everything we've gone through as a church god knows all about it i want to remind you during this time if you're struggling and i've heard of lots of struggles we have people in our church that are in the hospital even right now we have people that are worried over family relationships over financial relationships over friendships over finances that's just goes with the normal stuff today and i'm sure i don't know the tiniest fraction of what your needs, your hurts, your worries are, but God does. So if you're struggling at this time, and most of us probably are, you don't ever need to feel alone. God is aware of your situation. God is aware of your need. Because he knows you, because he knows you, he will be able to help you through in the way that's best for you. And he's also One other thing that's not mentioned in this passage, but I think it's worth noting here, for all of you here, and hopefully for a lot of you online, God has given you a church family to walk through with this at some point. You know what? In some ways, in some ways, each one of you in this room might be the face of God to somebody else. What I mean by that is we can't see God face-to-face right now, but through your presence and walking with somebody, they see God's face through your face, that you are that part of that presence of God in their life. God doesn't need other people to do that. He still knows it all on his own, but he uses us together. He's given you a church that cares about you, that is willing to serve you, and to willing to love you in Jesus' name. So I wanna ask you today, are you concerned about your finances? God knows. And is ready to help. Are you concerned about your health? God knows. If you're worried about your safety, God knows. About family members? Yeah, he knows that too. There might even be people in this room or listening online That are worried about their sanity god knows and he cares and why do you start you start by simply acknowledging that god knows you and loves you now i can't tell you in this sermon how god is going to help you through these times but i know that he knows you for the purpose of helping you we started off this service today with another set of verses psalm 121 I want you to listen to those verses again as we get ready to close. The psalmist writes, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord, one who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. He's always on the watch. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber slumber. Nor sleep. Remember, in that day, Israel was God's people, just as we are today. The Lord is your keeper, the one who watches over you. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil, He will keep your soul, keep it safe. He will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Let's pray. Father, it is almost arrogant of me to come before you right now and to be able to voice an adequate prayer of who you are and of your love and your care and your knowledge of us. So, Father, all I can say right now is... Father, continue to teach us about your love. Continue to teach us about your care. Father, help us to see your hand. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to trust in you in everything that we do. And Father, help us to go forth into 2023 knowing that no matter what, you know because you care and you are there to help. In Jesus' name, amen.